It is Jesus who makes this a glorious day, and He too is the reason for the season. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us today. Today, Pastor Elliot begins to look at the Christmas word incarnation God becoming human. If you have your Bibles, first turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It took the miracle of incarnation to provide us with a Savior from our sins. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Some years ago, I was in Florida as a tourist from Canada, and I wanted to go scuba diving. So I went to the local dive shop and I asked, Are you taking out any divers this week? They said, Yes, we are, on such and such a day. Why don't you join us? We'll be checking out two women who have just had a scuba course with us and they'll have their open water checkout. But all of you who already know how to dive are welcome to come with us. You can dive. So we all showed up and、uh, we're looking forward to diving. And the, the sea that day was rolling, it had quite a, a swell to it. And、uh, we got on the boat and the boat was being tossed around by the waves. And The young women who were going to be certified, tested at least, were getting more and more nervous and hyper and concerned. And we got to the dive site. They let the anchors down and they, the dive master put us all in the water together with our vests inflated and we were floating around like corks in a tempest in a teapot. And、uh, he pointed to me and he said, You, you are her buddy. And he pointed to a woman I had met on the ride out to the dive site. She was a lady from Minnesota. And okay, so I swam up to her. I said, Do you hear that we're buddies? Yes, yes, I heard that. And then he's pairing off everyone else. We're still on the surface. And then it got to be a little chaotic, a little disorganized, a little mumbo jumbo. So the, the dive master, still on the boat, points to me and he said, You, yes, sir, you're no longer her buddy. You dive with him instead. He was a staff member of the dive shop. So I swam over to the woman from Minnesota and I said, Did you hear that? I'm no longer your buddy. I'm now his buddy. Wait for a buddy. So I went and I had a nice dive with the staff guy from the shop. And we were down there, I don't know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and we both were nearly out of air. So we signaled to go up top. Imagine my surprise when all the other divers were already on the boat looking at us. And the dive master said, Where's the lady from Minnesota? I said, I have no idea. I wasn't her buddy. We haven't seen her since you went under. So then he says to me and my buddy, strap on some new tanks and go find her. I thought it's a big ocean. But I wanted to rescue her. I didn't want her to die. So I strap on these tanks. And before I jump in, the boat is pitching in the swell, of course. And about 2,000 yards off the back of the boat, here she is with her. Buoyancy compensator floating, and she's just popping up and down in the waves, and she's hollering, Help! Help! Well, I'm telling you what. What she needed when she was underwater and out of air was not a high school diploma. She didn't need a well paying job in Minneapolis. She didn't need a husband. She needed some dude with an air tank underwater close enough to her to share air. She needed incarnation. She needed a person who knew how to scuba dive 
who had a tank with some air in it to share with her since she was out. She needed incarnation, and she needed it fast. The end of the story is that the dive master hauled her out onto the boat with some force, asked her where her purse was, and did she have her dive license card with her? And she said yes, and he took that laminated dive license card, and he ripped it in two, and he threw it in the ocean. He was some upset. I was glad she was fine, of course. The human race is a lot like that lady from Minnesota. We are in desperate need of incarnation, but not incarnation of a mere scuba diver with some air in a tank. We are in massive need of incarnation of a Savior who could live perfect and die for us and shed his blood to make forgiveness of our sins possible and a place in heaven as a grace gift possible. That's what we need. It took a God-man to do that. We're going to look at some verses, some quick verses in the New Testament that talk about incarnation in the moments we have this morning. So if you have your Bibles, or you look on the screen, I believe, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 are Christmas incarnation verses. Hebrews 2, 14, since then, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Messiah, likewise also partook of the same, that is flesh and blood, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. It took an incarnate God. It took an eternal God become incarnate to take on human flesh to break our fear of death and bondage to the devil. That's what these verses are saying. You know, God could not die until Jesus took on human flesh. God is spirit. God the Son had to become man so that he, God the Son, could die for us. Furthermore, before the incarnation, God could not shed blood because God had no blood before the incarnation. Before God was fused to man, God did not have blood to offer. But when the incarnation miracle took place and the co-eternal, without beginning and without end, Son of God took on human flesh in the miracle of the virgin birth, then God had blood that he could willingly spill to pay for sin because it says in the word in the Old and the New Testaments, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 expand upon this truth when it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but, watch it, with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. We were all once in the slave marketplace of sin when our flesh said sin we basically said, okay. When our flesh said, jump, we just simply had the question, how high? We were in the slave marketplace of sin, in bondage to sin and death, until Jesus burst into time and space history in the miracle of the virgin birth, the eternal God, very God, continuing to be very God, but becoming fused to man, humanity, 
Because Jesus was willing to come and the Father was willing to send him and he became flesh and dwelt among us, we were able to get out of that bondage and slavery in the slave marketplace of sin. And Jesus laid down the purchase price to purchase you out of the slave marketplace of sin, his own life's blood. Silver wouldn't do it. Gold wouldn't do it. But the precious blood, precious blood of a spotless, unblemished, sinless lamb. His name is Jesus Christ. Do you know him as your Savior? You could know the season of his birth without knowing him as your Savior. And so the first verses I want to take us to are these in Hebrews 2. Say that God could only die and God could only shed blood because of the incarnation. The second passage is another beautiful passage. It's in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Listen, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Will you notice that we are called as Jesus followers to have the same attitude that Jesus Christ welcomed and embraced, that is humility. And what was the scale of Jesus Christ's humility? It was vast. Although he existed in the form of God, verse 6, he did not hang on to equality with God as a thing to be grasped for his own benefit and protection. But instead, he emptied himself voluntarily, taking on the form of a bondservant. When Jesus Christ became incarnate the first Christmas, he let go of the use of some of his divine rights. He let go of the use of some of his divine privileges. He let go of the use of some of his divine powers for a purpose. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Those who spit in his face humbled him. Those who rejected him and called him blasphemous humbled him. Those who wanted to stone him to death humbled him. But basically and fundamentally, he humbled himself. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. I'm Pastor Nicholas, and I serve as a youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And I want to just say a Merry Christmas, and I want to thank you for listening uh, this past year. And I hope that as we look forward to celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we would remember that the best gift is God's presence. And this morning, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about, as we've been looking at these last couple of weeks, talking about unwrapping this gift and how we've been talking about how we should want to tell people about this gift. And I challenge you this morning as we close this Advent season and messages on Unwrap. I want you to think of your life right now. You know, this year has been, for some people, may have been a good year. But for a lot of people, it's probably been a very bad year. And I want us to think about how your life is messy right now. Maybe you feel lonely right now. Because there's something going on in your life that's messy. Something that's making you anxious or sad or insecure. 
You see, sometimes we don't show people how messy things are in our lives, but chances are there's something going on that we're not sure on what to do on our own. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, we're in the final week of our series, Unwrapped, where we've been unwrapping the true meaning of the Advent season, the season leading up to Christmas. Over the last few weeks, we've learned this is the season of anticipation and preparation for someone really special, and that special someone is Jesus, God's gift of salvation, hope, and peace. We have learned that the gift of Jesus is so special that it's meant to be shared with the world. Even if you aren't the perfect Christian, let's be honest, no one is. You have the ability to share his story with others. And we have also learned that what Jesus gives us can sometimes come in the most unexpected and surprising ways, and that the things he gives us are worth celebrating. Even though Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago, he's alive and well and wanting to be part of our lives in the here and now. This means we never have to spend another day or holiday feeling alone. And today we want to talk about Jesus coming. We want to talk about why we celebrate this Advent season. This is the someone we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus. You see, fortunately for us, the Bible is filled with stories of people whose lives were a little messy too. But even though their lives were messy, they were able to experience and be used by God in incredible ways. Someone who might be able to relate is Joseph. We know him as Jesus' earthly father and the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. When we meet Joseph in the book of Matthew, we find a hardworking guy who's engaged to a girl named Mary, who is only to find out that Mary is pregnant. And here's the shocker. He's not the father. Talk about a soap opera. Talk about a surprise. Talk about something that today would be like, what's going on? Talk about a messy story. Matthew 1, 18 and 19 said that the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not one to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. You see, we learn from the scripture that a child appeared miraculously through the Holy Spirit. Mary told Joseph the whole story, but well, it's not a very believable story, isn't it? If someone were to try to tell you how the explanation that the Holy Spirit conceived a child, what would you think? Well, you'd be thinking just like Joseph. Really? I mean, you couldn't come up with a better story than that. I mean, this is what you call messy. You see, this was even a especially big deal back then because Mary could have been put to death if people didn't believe a story. So Joseph decided to divorce her quietly in the hopes of keeping the pregnancy a secret. You see, we also got to understand that in the Bible days of an engagement, this was basically you're, you're married. You know, you're, you're, there's nothing that's going to break that clause unless, you know, death or, you know, this is something very serious. And today we might not look at marriage as, you know, as strong today, but in those days they looked at it as a very strong thing just to be engaged with a promise. So we see in Matthew 1, 20 to 23, it says, But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is being conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to be named him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the prophet has spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and it said this, See the virgin will become pregnant 
and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, God sends an angel to Joseph who said, Joseph, God has a plan. What Mary has told you is part of that plan. Everything is going to be okay. Not only does the angel say the baby's name would be Jesus, meaning he will save his people from their sins, but that he will be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a challenge. What, you know, a challenge to think about. As we could think of messy people, Joseph and this whole thing, as Jesus came, it was a messy situation. You see, but we have to understand that last part, God is with us. God is with us. This is huge. This is the best gift because Jesus, for the first time, God's presence could really be with us both here on earth and forever. You see, throughout Scripture, you will see God described in three different persons. God in heaven, as we think of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, God, God in the Old Testament, God occasionally showed up on earth, but only briefly. God's presence was sometimes expressed in fire or smoke or great winds or a voice or in other mysterious ways. But God's presence was too powerful and too holy for humans to experience its fullness. Some people in the Old Testament died because they got too close to God's physical presence. For a long time, humans couldn't really experience God's presence in an ongoing way. Then we come to Jesus. But when Jesus came to earth, he changed everything. For the first time, God walked among us. Humans could stand in the physical presence of God and not die. God came to us in a way that we could experience. When Jesus was put to death and then resurrected, he took this a step further. Not only could we finally stand in God's presence on earth, but through Jesus' sacrifice, he gifted us with the ability to be in God's presence forever and eternity. But God still wasn't done. After Jesus rose from the dead, he did not stay among us on earth forever. Instead, he sent someone whose presence would be even greater than Jesus' physical appearance. Which brings us to the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus left there, he told that he would soon send his spirit so that we never had to be away from God's presence again. Not for a moment. What a, a challenge for us. What for, for us to think about that this is Emmanuel. This is what we're talking about. This is why we celebrate this Christmas. This is the best gift of all. So the question is, how do you respond to the news about Emmanuel? Maybe you're struggling with feeling alone this Advent because you're struggling with something and you don't know how or where to get help. You have a friend who is struggling and you aren't sure what to do. Your life or family is a mess and you could really use some peace. You're mourning a loss and still hurts. Even if you're unsure about the next step for the situation you're in, you can at least know that you're not alone. Emmanuel means Jesus is always with us. Even in our most desperate hours, he might not show up in the way we expect him to show up. He might not give us the exact solution or plan that we are hoping for. But his presence will always lead us to something even better than what we could design for ourselves. Thanks to Jesus, God is with us. We are reminded of that every Advent. This season not only a season of anticipation, preparation, sharing, and rejoicing. It's also a season where we are reminded we are never alone. And as we close, as we think of this whole series, the best gift of all is God's presence. You see, during Advent, we are reminded that God so loved the world that Jesus came to be with us to walk in our shoes and to suffer on our behalf. We can get excited because what was promised so long ago actually came true. The unexpected can happen. We are reminded that God is with us every step 
of the way. Advent is also a season for us to invite others into the love and presence of God through our lives and examples. This Advent, make a commitment to show others they are not alone. If you see someone at lunch or on the bus or wherever it may be, grab a seat next to them. Invite someone to eat with you. If you know someone who has recently lost a loved one, write them a card. Let them know you are thinking of them. When we think of our culture and we think of the Bahamas, we think of people, many people have been through Hurricane Dorian. This is going to be a, a hard time for them. Invite them, help them, you know, encourage them. You see, the more we can be present for each other, the more we can remind each other of God's presence. And the more we can remind others of God's presence, the more we can remind ourselves and others that we don't have to feel alone. So I challenge you as we think of this Advent season, let us not think of Christmas, the gifts and stuff like that, but let us think of the gift, Emmanuel, as we think of the someone, the anticipation of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God is with us. What a great thing to think about. What a great gift that is to know that we have the greatest gift of all, the gift that never grows old and the gift that is always there with us. Merry Christmas. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A Christmas devotional for you entitled, Yes, Lord, by Dr. Joy Baker, adjunct professor of Christian education at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Nine months before our Savior's birth, an angel appeared to a young Jewish girl, Mary, whom Scripture describes as a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Prior to that angelic visit, Mary must have felt great excitement as she anticipated her marriage. But suddenly her dreams came crashing down around her as the angel declares that she has found favor with God and is chosen to be the mother of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Mary knows immediately that this news, though wonderful in many ways, will also bring her great humiliation and suffering, as people will criticize and judge her for being pregnant and unmarried. What will she do as the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on her and the baby Jesus will be conceived in her womb? Will her fear cause her to reject God's plan? Or will her faith lead her to accept God's will? Will she be unwilling to face the rejection of many or courageously trust God as she embraces an unknown and difficult future? Mary presses through her fear grabs hold of faith and quietly says, Yes, Lord. She evidences that her commitment to God is central to her life, for she describes herself as the Lord's bond slave. God asks each of us the same question. Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? At this Christmas season, as a new year lies ahead, are you willing to say, yes, Lord? No matter what other people may say or do, are you willing to accept his plan, 
even if it includes hardship and sacrifice? Is Christ truly at the center of your life? What answer will you give as God offers you an uncertain and or a challenging future? God invites you, like Mary, to be part of his great plan. We pray together. Lord, we know that fear and faith do not coexist at the same time. And we would confess the sin of fear where we have been fearful, accept your forgiveness to go forward in faith, to be people who would say to you, yes, Lord, please make us to be yes, Lord, people, followers of Jesus who say, yes, Lord, for we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. Romans 5.12 raises the question, How is the human race related to Adam and to sin? Romans 5.12 declares that sin and death entered the world through one man, namely Adam. Paul concludes, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. There are two possible interpretations of Paul's statement. Many theologians believe that God contemplates all people as one with Adam and his sin. Since Adam represented the human race, God regards all people as sinners because of his acts. Others believe that the entire human race was seminally present in Adam. This perspective is based on the concept of the corporate solidarity of the human race in Adam. Compare Hebrews chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. According to this second view, when Adam sinned, the entire human race actually participated in the sin. People are not just designated sinners, they are sinners by virtue of their participation in Adam's act. Although debated, the second view best corresponds with Paul's words, all sinned. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Today, our worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. We invite you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or write us at P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.